0: Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Nephew Hours, I'm your host Miggy, joining me today is going to be Usman, how are you doing today man? Hey, I'm doing alright, how are you? I'm doing good, um, a whole lot of basketball has happened this week, uh, especially since our last episode that aired Tuesday. The first thing I want to talk to you about, uh, especially since you're a resident Heat fan, how do you feel about uh, Miami, you know, dethroning the Milwaukee Bucks as the number one seed and exposing them? If anyone who knows me is listening to this, they'll know
1: my philosophy regarding uh, my own sports teams. I'm very, very negative. So um, I'm not feeling particularly great, to be honest. What? Are you serious? No trash talk, no nothing. No, no, that's that's not me. I, I do make some jokes here and there, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, I laughed at that picture of Giannis' son being Photoshopped into a heat jersey. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs>
0: Job's not done. That's oh, the okay. Quoting, I coding Kobe, I see. Um, so I, I guess I'll <laughs> I'll do the trash talking for you. Um, before <laughs> before I get into that, um, I I do want to you know give all the praise to Miami. Um, they surprised everybody in the bubble for sure. Be you know Miami just uh, showing that they're the ultimate grit team and the way Pat Riley you know built this team to have all these players mesh well together and all these players you know be grinding out players that you know will play hard for all 48 minutes is great like i like i said in the you know in, in the past episodes you know you have jimmy butler who's you know i guess it's him versus everybody and he, you know he's, he doesn't need to shoot threes but he's you know he's getting buckets no matter how he can tyler hero Nook, and Duncan robinson are pouring in threes go on is such a great point guard leader um you have veterans like andre igudala who's you know he doesn't show up as much on the on the stat sheet, but he, you know, he does make winning plays. Um, you have Bam, who's you know, been a force inside. You have Jay Crowder who's been surprisingly lights out from three. Um, you know, this is a perfectly, you know, not perfect, but I, I guess it's a very well-constructed team to fit the identity and culture that is the Miami Heat under Pat Riley. Um, I also want to give all praise to, to Eric Spolstra uh, for really just he made Coach uh, Coach Mike Budenholzer of the Bucks look like a total amateur. The way Show was was coaching this series, and you know, I all praise to you and the Miami Heat for just you know shocking the whole entire like world for for upsetting the number one seed. I I will say that I appreciate you
1: um, giving the Heat credit. If you listen to most of the national coverage for this series, it's all about what the Bucks did wrong, not what the Heat did right. Now, with that being said, um, another thing that I do kind of want to get off my chest is last summer when all these off-season grades were coming out, the Heat were getting like C-pluses, you know, all that stuff. I will say oh, that course. even for that time, a C-plus grade is was absolutely ridiculous in my opinion <laughs> because that was a team that was strapped for cash. They had like the highest cap in the league, partially oh. because of Chris Bosh's contract, but, you know, still... Mm. They turned Herds and Josh Richardson into Jimmy Butler. You know, they turned uh, two kind of overpaid players into key role players for the series in Iguodala and Crowder. And uh, I'm glad that it's worked out. It doesn't work out fully, of course. But frankly, no matter what happens from here, the team has overperformed. And I think that free agents in the future, which is, Mm. you know, the ultimate goal of the team is to sign better players and develop better players. They'll be looking at the Heat like, oh, if they could take these guys to the conference finals, then maybe they, if I go oh, there, I can put them over the hump.
0: Looking at you, Giannis, and we'll talk about you later. But <laughs> um, no, I, I like I'm like I'm surprised that like you know again like all respect to Miami, like you know they shocked me because I thought this was gonna be like a Bucks and like maybe five or six, you know, with with the talent that Giannis is and and having a, an okay co-star in Milton, you know. But again, Miami and Coach Bolstra just—it's the whole mentality of like, not the dog mentality, but this whole mentality of like, look, you know, we can match up with everybody, with anybody. We can play, we can, you know, clamp you down on defense, and then we'll make you pay, you know, on the other end. The way that they played defense on Giannis was amazing. They literally, you know, you know, they—they they didn't even pack the paint. Like they literally formed a wall before he can even drive and like got close to the three-point line. And as we all know, Giannis is specialty is like literally driving past you, right? He doesn't really have like a set move that he can, you know, reliably go towards other than, you know, I'm taller and I'm bigger and I'm, you know, faster than you. And my, you know, my wingspan is so huge. I can just probably stride past you and, you know, dunk it easily. But um, they game plan it to where you have like four players literally waiting at the three-point line, knowing that Giannis is going to try to drive in. If he can't, if he can't score inside, he's going to probably just kick it out. And even then, like, the switchability that Miami, you know, showed, you know, like, there, there you can say, like, there was no actual mismatch with, with Miami on defense because they they defend so well, they switch so well. Like, the only, the only black eye I feel for Miami this whole series was Kendrick Nunn playing like crap. But even then, like, you couldn't even notice because everyone else on Miami was chipping in so well.
1: I was watching those games very closely.
0: Anytime Kendrick Nunn was, like, matched up against
1: uh, Giannis or Middleton, I don't know how he was doing it, but he was like stopping their drives. Like they did not, they were not able to score on him, which That's, is not something <laughs> I expected, considering he's like six one, you mm-hmm. know, hundred thirty pounds or something. Jeez,
0: like, and you know, before I move on to Milwaukee, like, I want to give <laughs> give huge shout out to Tyler Hero. That man's got big balls, man. Like, I think Game Five, Game Five was the one where it's overtime. You know, they need you know some buckets, and you you would think that they would pass the ball to like Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic, you know, reliable veterans. No, this man pulls up from like deep, you know, and just hits like two threes in a row and you're just like, Okay, you know, this man, you know, this guy is something else. And, you know, again, the Heat have rookies that, you know, already bought into the program and, you know, they want to prove people wrong. And I think that's the whole I think Miami mantra is just proving everybody wrong because I guess everyone, um, I get and you can include me, they just counted them out from the beginning of this whole series. Yeah.
1: Speaking of uh, Tyler Hero, um, so recently ESPN's Dan Lebetard went on uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, The Low Post, Mm -hmm. and uh, they were talking about, you know, the whole Heat culture thing and all that. Mm -hmm. And Dan Levitard talked about how the Heat have, like, a very specific shooting drill that they make all their players and all their, like, draft picks they meet with go through. Uh Uh-huh. And Tyler Hero did better on that shooting drill than, like, Ray Allen, Devin Booker.
0: No All these way. other, like, really
1: great players. So Dan Levitard said that interior, like, on interior, like the Heat's, like, interior coaching and development staff yeah. think that Tyler Hero can be a better player than Devin Booker. I'm not 100% sure
0: wow. if I agree.
1: I think that even if he had the skill, he wouldn't quite have the green light.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, you know, if he can even be, like, you know, half the the scorer that Devin Booker is and then do everything else better. That'd be so that's, amazing. Yeah, that's great for like a I think he was like the thirteenth or fourteenth pick.
0: Yeah. I think it was thirteen. But wow. Okay. Uh I high hopes then for Tyler Hero. I, I kinda wanna see Miami in the finals now, seeing how well they play. I think it'd be absolutely amazing. And we'll talk about we'll talk about the their matchup later. Um but moving on, you know, I'm going all in on this Buck slander. Um <laughs> It is absolutely, you know, disappointing to me. You have like high expectations as as a number one seed, and go and even going into the bubble and going into the into the season. Um, you have the reigning MVP, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he's he's gonna win the MVP again. It's just disgusting to me how you waste such a talent like that. How, you know, like how do you wait? Like how do you? not play a guy who scores 30 points, averages 15 rebounds, and say, you know what? I'm not going to play him more than 35 minutes. That's too much. Are you kidding me? Like, this is a freaking playoffs. What are you saving him for? It's do or die, you know? And, you know, to build upon that, like, they wasted a the talent around, you know, with Giannis because they don't have any, anyone good around him. Okay, sure. You can say Milton's like an okay co-star. Like, he had that one game where um, Giannis, you know, went down injured, right? But other than that, like, you know, this whole bubble, this whole, like, playoffs, Milton hasn't even been that good. You know, he's an overpaid, you know, second star. Um, You know, running down this roster, Eric Blotsoe is absolutely trash. They chose him over Malcolm Brogdon. And, like, sure, Malcolm Brogdon doesn't, like, Effectively move your needle too much, but it it, he makes much more of a distance uh, difference as a shot creator and a guy who can reliably play defense and also score for you than Eric Bledsoe does. Like Eric Bledsoe, all he does is play defense. Okay, like the fact that he's like he was first team all defense, I believe is disrespectful to me. Like, that is disgusting. No, he, was, he, was, he was second team. Second team? Even then, he, that's, dis- that's disrespectful. Like, they, they snubbed Drew Holiday for this man. This man, he sucks. Gar- like, he's garbage. You know, like, oh, my goodness. Like, his whole, his whole, you know, responsibility is, you know, guarding, you know, either Goran Dragic or Jimmy Butler, right? You know, those are your, you know, they're the, the best players on there. And, like, you're supposed to – Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler had their way. How are you going to tell me this man is a second team, all NBA? Right. And then if you look, if you continue to look down this roster, wash up Kyle Corver, Wes Matthews, like, you know, like Wes Matthews is serviceable, but he's not going to be like, Oh wow. I can rely on him to get me a, you know, key three pointer, you know, Brooke, you know, Brook Lopez. I love you and all, but like he's not the same player that he, he used to be in Brooklyn. Like I, I love the fact that he opened up his, his game to include the three point shot it has been beneficial he's not like this he's not the same player that he was in Brooklyn to where you're like okay this is a third star we can use to you know to win games right like he even struggled like outside of Giannis Milton like there's nothing like going for the Bucs maybe except for Dante DiVincenzo as a young guy like that that's a lot of pressure for a young guy I admit right but you can't give that excuse when Tyler Hero is balling out against you like I don't know like roster wise that's terrible like um, I'm going to also go to slander coach Budenholzer.
1: Before that, before that, let me let me push back on some of the things you said.
0: All right. Uh, I'm, I
1: don't like kicking teams or people when they're down. Uh-huh. I, I will push back a little bit. First of all, <clears throat> the talent that is Giannis, the reality is that Giannis Antetokounmpo is a one-dimensional offensive player. And when you have a roster that can take that dimension away from him, even if he plays 30 minutes or 35 minutes or 40 minutes, it's not going to make – that much of a difference mm. now the second uh the second point is that i believe he hurt his ankle in game two it was game three
0: game three.
1: Oh, was it game three okay yeah. well he played 36 minutes in game two and then he immediately hurt his ankle at the beginning of game three and coach bud did say that the way Giannis is he can't play more than 35 minutes
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay that's number two number three even if they had you know They should have kept Brogdon, but I think that's just a curse of being in a small market. Even if your team is like going to the finals, you're not gonna make as much money as like the Lakers would if they got eliminated in the first round, right? And finally I will say about Brogdon, Drogic burned him even worse in the in against Indiana. So
0: you know. (laughs) Like okay, sure. Like this you know, in game two you did play thirty-six minutes, right? But like the whole like he hurt his ankle game two. that that was totally like there's like that's coincidental like in that whole sense right he he rolled it trying to drive in like that's that's totally coincidental like i kind of see where you're coming from if like a team is well like you know defending Giannis, i just, it makes no sense to play him more than he usually is but again like you know the point remains like it's the playoffs like i get like you know uh, for a team that pl- played defense against miami so well and against Giannis, it's you you could argue that you know it made no sense right but at the same time, still like the gravity that Giannis is, especially that he's you know the reigning MVP, it still should be able to open up things for Milwaukee, right? Yeah, again, ultimately
1: their shooters weren't hitting
0: shots. Yeah. It's it's roster construction, and yeah, um, going back to what I said on you know before we uh, we reverted back, you know, I'm Coach Budenholzer is you know is a lot to blame on this one. It, again, it just shows that he's just a regular season coach. We saw this in Atlanta. He had a sixty-win Atlanta Hawks team. What happens? You get swept by the Cavaliers. Was it the Cavaliers? Yep. Yeah, you get swept. Like, I. It's good, right? Like, but at some point, you can't just be like, "All right, well, you know, we're gonna do what we did in the regular season, just keep shooting threes, and you know, it's gonna work out." Like, no, like there, there are instances when, like, you know, the Bucks had like good, you know, looking mid-range shots, and they said, "No, I'll kick it out for a three. And guess what it is? It's a contested three. It, it makes no sense. And again, like Brudenholzer's like whole stubbornness to being like, yeah, I'll hold my, uh, my star players, like only to like 30 to 35 minutes. Like, again, it's the playoffs. What do you, you know, what are we waiting for? Um. So for, for me, like, you know, if I'm the Bucks, like the, you know, there's a lot, a lot of like, Interior analysis that they need to like address because again they said Coach Budenholzer is safe and you know that that's logical. I mean he is the coach that you know elevated you from like a 41 te- 41 win team with Jason Kidd to you know top seed in the East. But the Bucks need to totally like revamp their roster. I think yeah, that,
1: I, you know, I think they need to also revamp the coaching staff around Coach Bud to mm-hmm. actually you know make Giannis develop. Like they keep saying he's working on his three point shot. I don't think he needs to work on his three-point shot. I think he needs to work oh, yeah. more on his interior post-game. if he can back, pe- you,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: if he can back you down, like, you know, Jay Crowder did a great job on Giannis, even, like, one-on-one. Jay Crowder's not stopping Giannis on it. with his back to the basket. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not going to happen. I agree with you, yeah. So, I've, I've kind of made jokes about this. Uh, if I were Giannis, I would uh, visit uh, Nigeria with Elijah Olajuwon and just, like, with him and play basketball. with that him would work. the like, entire summer.
0: I agree. Like if you like think about it. if you give him like like one or two reliable post moves, it's over. You know, like you can like throw a wall at freaking Giannis and then be like, you know, oh this is it. But no, it, it doesn't you know work that way because now he can post you up and like you know do whatever. But you know with the rest of the roster, um, Kevin O'Connor did report uh, recently this week that the Bucks are still the favorite to um, keep Giannis in free agency. And once free agency opens, they'll offer him the five-year, $223 million, like, max contract uh, extension. Um, but they are competing against the Warriors, the Raptors, the Heat, and surprisingly, the Clippers, because apparently the Clipper uh, wow. Giannis has a, an affinity for Doc Rivers or something. The, he did, um, in a Chris Haynes article, did go out and say, like, I'm not going to demand a trade. Hey, that is not me. And so, you know, take that, like, I'll believe it, especially, but the thing is he also did unfollow, like, the Bucks and, like, all his teammates on Instagram. I don't know if that's just the thing he does all the time. Um, someone did say that is, but, again, like, there's a lot of, like, things going on with Giannis, and I'm just saying if the Bucks don't do anything with their roster, I, if I was us, I'd just instantly demand a trade. You, you already know where this roster can take you, and it's is the second round. So, if they do absolutely nothing, I'd instantly demand a trade to like the Warriors or the Heat if I'm Giannis. Um, but actually, uh, I'm
1: gonna take it the opposite way. I think that if you know he said he's not gonna demand a trade, you know, I, I you know, we've been burned before about players and their free agency stuff. Mm. But I'll I'll take a chance and believe him that he won't demand a trade. Yeah. If he doesn't accept the supermax though, I think the Bucks should look to move him anyway.
0: Yeah, you know because you, know, you lose a superstar for nothing, right? Or
1: or again, you know, unless they can actually pull off the uh, the miracle Chris Paul trade.
0: That's what I, that's actually what I have down on the outline. Like, I think trading for CP three is like the number one thing they should do this offseason. Get rid of Bledsoe, get you know replace it with CP three. I, I haven't done trade machine yet, but I think if you were to do Bledsoe and like a bunch of picks, I guess and um, not a not a bunch of picks, like maybe like one or two future round first round picks, throw yeah. in some filler salary. I think it would work. And it would also give like a you know more reliable ball handler other than Giannis to really, you know, open things up for the Bucks. Because again, CB3 is a very good, you know, two way player, can shoot from anywhere, um, has, you know, eyes everywhere. Like beyond that, I don't I don't know who who to add. For for the bucks, are then you know better shooters, but you know if they do do this miracle CP three trade, they'll they'll have absolutely no money to do so, and except for minimum contracts, I think beyond yeah. it, it's a high risk high reward. Yeah, no, I agree
1: definitely. Uh, I saw somewhere would, people would like are comparing that to uh, people are comparing that hypothetical to uh, Kareem and Oscar, you know the older. Uh, the older point guard that has never won comes in and helps the uh,
0: the young big man to uh,
1: lead them both to championship glory.
0: I think that I mean I think it would work, you know, because again, um, you know, let's let's not ignore that you know the Bucks are a solid you know defensive team, and again they did expo- they get they did get exposed as frauds, and <laughs> in, in, in the bubble, but still like the base defense is there for for the Bucks, and that they have great. Um, defensive players, and again, I guess you have defensive player year. Giannis Antetokounmpo as well as CP three better defense than Eric Bledsoe, better offense than Eric Bledsoe, um, and then you could just probably fill out, you know, with minimums because that's literally what they did heading into the bubble. Um, I don't know for the Bucks, uh, you know, they're frauds until they, you know, they prove that they can actually win games in the playoffs, but. You know looking you know looking into their off season they they have a lot to really think about for for now and in the future um moving right along, Daniel house being evicted from the bubble like the biggest uh drama in the in the bubble like the past couple of days uh it is not a good look for for those of you um who aren't sure of what happened was three days ago um there was a report. That you know Daniel House had an unauthorized guest in his uh, hotel room, and so you know the NBA, NBA and NBAPA did a whole investigation. People thought it was you know a COVID tester. Someone said it was uh, journalist Taylor Rooks, which I think is absolutely bizarre. Um, another rumor was that um, that Tyson Chandler was, was trying to be the fall guy and say it was him because his name got brought up but it turned out it was not Tyson Chandler and that is all Daniel House the whole time. And so um, yesterday it was found out that Daniel House did have an unauthorized guest in the bubble and has now been told to uh, pack up and you know, leave. And mind you, for, uh, for our listeners, we're recording this on Saturday, September 12th. Um, and this is before the, the Lakers-Rockets game five. And so um, for Daniel House, this is a really, really bad situation because one, you're kicked out of the bubble, um, which I thought was not even possible. Two, he just ruined his whole marriage. Um, if For all of you guys who don't know, he has a wife and I think three kids, and the wife on on Instagram deleted all their photos together. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know, beyond the personal stuff, like um, this also greatly affects the Houston Rockets as a basketball team because Daniel House was their sixth man and he was reliable and now they ha- they don't have him. I'm not trying to say that this is all an excuse for why the Rockets are losing because I Houston fans, like, if you guys are using this as an excuse that the NBA is rigging this against you, like, stop being ignorant. You guys know dang well that the Lakers were such a mismatch for you guys, and that you guys continue to play small and micro ball when you guys have to play, you know, giants like LeBron and AD. You know, we'll we'll dive into that in you know just a moment, but don't blame, no, don't blame the NBA for trying to quote unquote rig this against you, because even with this Daniel House, like if even if he was a, if he was able to play, you know. After quarantining, maybe like two or three days, like the Lakers were still going to win the series anyway. Um, LeBron and AD like are are feasting the past three games, and they have had like great play from the role players like Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Marquise Morris, you know Alex Caruso. Um, this, you know, by the way, with Alex Caruso, did you see a? Did you see that clip, um, of that Houston Rockets uh, SB Nation podcaster that was absolutely losing his mind that the the Rockets like Caruso scored sixteen points.
1: Uh no, I didn't see that. I, I caught the end of that game. Um and I just saw that like, you know, uh Alex Caruso, he made all the winning plays at the end of it.
0: Oh man, you I have, have to, to you have to listen to that. that. It's uh it's on the NBA subreddit right now. You have to listen to it. It is like he he had an absolute meltdown. And you know, it just shows like again, um what do, what do the Lakers have? Like, they have reliable role players around LeBron in 80. What do the Rockets have? None of those things. Again, you know, you're, start, like, you're starting five, you know, Westbrook Harden, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, and P.J. Tucker. That's, that's a solid, you know, those are your, that's a solid starting lineup, right? Especially if you're trying to, you know, go with this whole small ball, micro ball thing, right? But if you look at the bench, Jeff Green, you know, is not good. You know, Austin Rivers, I guess, can get you a bucket here or there. Uh, ben McLemore isn't, you know, a guy you should be concerned about. So, it makes sense that the Lakers are having their way with the Rockets with this with this sort of like roster construction that the Rockets the Rockets have right now. All right. So, um, a few
1: things. First off, uh, unacceptable behavior from House. Um, not only does this affect his personal life, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it, ex- if it affects his uh, professional, you know, career in the league. Oh yeah. Like if this guy, you know, next season might very well also be in a bubble if this guy can't keep it in his pants. And <laughs> real quick, the, the worst part is is that his wife could have come to the bubble. Like I know either. <laughs> so that means one of two things, either he's really dumb or he's been doing this the entire time. And, uh-huh somehow the league didn't know, which is like, that's bad for the league's protocol. Uh-huh. Now the funny side is, you know, I can imagine LeBron, like, you know, uh, going to the anonymous hotline and snitching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, that'd be,
1: I think that'd be hilarious. But
0: I agree with you though. Like that's, that's, you know, completely like, dude, like, you know, we get it. You're horny, but can't you, you know, have not have self any, you know, have at least some self-control, at yeah, least, you know at least hold out you're, you're gonna use you're to lose the series anyway wait till you go home today you know and then yeah well also
1: counteract that a little bit you know house is their best defender like their most reliable perimeter defender mm-hmm. uh that's at least that's what the articles have been saying frankly i don't even know who house really was yeah um these days with the bubble with the players having slogans on the jerseys it's a lot harder to read the name on the bottom oh i agree yeah but uh now, with that being said, um, if the Rockets fans really think this is rigged, I mean, in game four, in Game Four, um, the Lakers had 16 free throws while the Rockets had like 39. So, I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, and
0: that's know. what I'm saying. Um, also, uh, apparently, in, and uh, to you know, kind of wrap up on the house thing, apparently that this, Shams reported that this is not an isolated situation, that you know, there has actually been some funny business going on. Um this might not be the the last time we hear about someone breaking the rules. Hopefully that's not true at all but apparently that's what Shams reported. Luckily that's... there's a, you know by next week there'll only be four teams left right. You know? I know. <laughs> but even then like we're so close please don't mess this up. Right, we're in agreement though that the Lakers are probably going to finish this off tonight, right? And so yeah, I can see that. For me it I think the Rockets just like the Milwaukee Bucks have a lot of like soul searching this off season because one, um, Mike D'Antoni, his contract is up and there is no like signs of an extension. So is, is this like where, like, you know, you decide, Hey, we're going to go in a different direction or B, you know, are you going to run it all back with, you know, D'Antoni, Westbrook and Harden. And if you do keep, you know, D'Antoni, like, are you guys going to keep trying to do the small ball, micro ball, thing because I mean it's worked against some teams it worked game one versus the Lakers but it it didn't from that point forward it didn't work at all is this a sustainable style of playing if you're the Houston Rockets and like you know to build upon it like again I'm I'm a huge advocate of analytics it's a very like good insightful way to look at things at some point you know and in in again like again as much as I am a huge advocate for analytics at the same time i'm at the point where analytics can also like be a huge detriment uh to how you play because i agree with you know analytics being beneficial but at the same time like if if you have a wide open shot wherever you take it you know why don't you take it like the mid-range is is also a key part of the game like sure it's quote-unquote inefficient but if you're you know a lot of players are good at the mid-range why would you limit them from not shooting like a shot that they're good at you know it's really frustrating to see, like, you know, the Rockets, like, you know, only focus on three-pointers when, you know, the whole mid-range is wide open for them. They can easily just pull up there. Like, the Russell Westbrook's the only one who's taking those shots, and albeit, like, you know, he's not making them because, you know, he's not that great of a shooter anymore, if ever, but still, like, you know, for a shoot- shooter as as good as Harden, you would think that maybe he, you know, takes a step inside and shoots a mid-range or whatever, like, it's frustrating to me like you know they you have like austin rivers james Harden, russell westbrook they drive in they have a wide open mid-range shot but they don't they just pass it yeah. they pass it out for a contested three three-point shot like what is that
1: you know yeah i can definitely i definitely agree with that i was like during game four and five of the Heat buck series i was like practically pulling my hair out of my head seeing jimmy butler he drives he jumps instead of taking a layup or trying to draw the foul he's just kicking it out for somebody to break a three
0: Mm -hmm. it's just
1: like take the layup
0: please yeah yeah i agree with you like again (laughs) it's you know i I get three-point shooting is the name of the game and i I agree that it's very important that you know how to shoot threes but you can't really shoot threes if you can't really shoot the mid-range shot you know like it, it makes no sense to me that you're going to completely avoid the whole the whole area of the floor. It's only a matter of time until the league,
1: like, eventually course corrects on this three point stuff.
0: Eventually, because again, like we see, we've, we're seeing it now, like the mid range is like a very reliable shot in the playoffs when everyone closes out. Yeah, three point line. But on top of this, you know, rocket soul searching. Like, I think you know, the Rockets have to either think about, like, are we going to maximize Harden and Westbrook and add, like, better role players? Like, are, are you going to actually add a center this time that can, you know, be a good role man? Um, or are they going to trade Westbrook and, you know, just run with Harden, you know? Like, I, I think the best thing to do for Houston is just to try to run Harden and Westbrook again. Because, again, the name of the game in the NBA is you have two superstars on your team every playoff contender has yeah. two superstars on their team. So you keep Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But I think if you give like a role man, you know, center for, for James Harden, and Russell Westbrook, I think it'll open up the whole playbook a lot more because again, they're good at the pick and roll, you know, like it either opens them up to either, you know, drive in, get an easy layup or a dunk, or they can lob it. to the big man or in James Harden's case, just pull up for three or you know, also, you know, their their ability to play the pick and roll so well is also should be able to help open up the floor for everybody.
1: First of all, um I think we all know that whatever the first thing they're gonna have to do is find a new general manager because cheap for is not gonna keep uh, Daryl Morey because China's still not airing um Rockets games. So is that true? Wait, is <laughs> I'm I'm almost certain that's true. Honestly, Are they like gonna the, fire him. I, I think they will because a lot of revenue comes from China. You know, it's bad money what? talks, but it is what it is. And Tillman Ch- fertita is like the cheapest owner in the league. That is know? also true. Uh oh, that also makes me think uh, D'Antoni's not coming back because uh. then they feud? They're paying. Well, I don't know about their feud, but they're paying him a lot of money. Like he's probably uh. one of the most expensive coaches. And this team is also taking up a lot of money, and not that's just so stupid doing not doing great, so you know Furchita's such a loser, <laughs> yeah, you know for teams that have owners with uh, deep pockets, don't take them for granted
0: oh, I know seriously shout out to uh uh Joe Psy. Yeah, um, thank you <laughs> but what, um i see now you so now you bring up trip for cheetah right and you know, you do bring up the point that he's cheap, right? So that kind of just throws a whole entire wrench into, into how you construct the Rockets next season. Yeah, honestly, uh, the the most legitimate claim the Rockets
1: could have for the NBA rigging this is that, you know, can you imagine if the NBA is not
0: getting China's market for the finals? <laughs> that's true, I, I guess, but that's such a stretch. Like, I, I mean, Houston, I, I don't know. That's definitely tinfoil head territory, but... Oh, man. um, Houston, I don't... At this point, like I don't, you know, it's hard to it's hard to gauge because again, there's so many uncertainties that that you bring up, yeah. And if you if you do let go of, uh, of D'Antoni, like who do you hire? Like Ty Lu's not going to be like cheap either, you know? Yeah, he's already going to the Sixers, I, I think at least that's what was the report. So apparently, and we'll we'll talk about this later, um, but apparently that's not true yet, and we'll we'll bring that up later. All right. Um, Moving, moving along, uh, we had the best series in the whole entire playoffs. The the Celtics and the Raptors finish up uh, Friday night, and that was that. It was such a great game and great series. All all props to the Celtics and Raptors for this. Coaching wise, it was a great duel between Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens. Uh, apparently, uh, Brad Stevens said on said in his uh, post game interview that. Uh, Nick Nurse threw so many different defenses at the Celtics that some of these defenses, like Brad Stevens, has never seen before in his coaching career. So you know, if that if that's something, it just shows that Coach Nurse is is a freaking brilliant mind. I also love the whole whole uh, grit and grind that happened this whole entire series. Like the fact, like you know, I love seeing like the the one twenty 120, like one twenty five scores, but. You know, seeing these, like, 92-87 and to know that every possession in this game mattered is very satisfying because, you know, like... Yeah, definitely. You know, you see, like, you know, I hate Marcus, you know, Smart and Kyle Lowry, like, flopping all the time, but even beyond their flopping, they were still throwing their bodies around because they know that every possession matters and they'll dive for the ball if they need to. They'll throw their body just so they can maybe, you know, draw the foul on a layup, like... Beyond the fouling, it's it's great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Marcus Smart, a little bit uh,
1: mm. looking forward, uh, Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero and all these guys are going to have to be very disciplined. Uh, Smart's flop near the end really
0: cost the Raptors. Oh yeah, I agree with it. But he's so smart with how he does it. It's like you you yeah. hate you hate to see if you're not on his team. Same thing with Kyle Lowry. But <laughs> yeah. if they're, if they're yeah. on your team, like you know, it's so good. And, you know, um, speaking on the Celtics, too, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, great duo, Jason Tatum, you know, proving that he is, he belongs to the superstar conversation, 100%, sure. especially um, being the second youngest to do, I think, 25, 10 and five, I think, in a, in a game seven, only behind his idol, Kobe Bryant. And, I, you know, it's great to see, you know, such a young star and like take ownership and really um, will his team to victory. Um, you know, however, just because, you know, the Celtics won, I'm not going to forget about this one because I was complaining about it, like (laughs) all game yesterday, Kemba Kemba Walker still deserves slander. (laughs) And that's why I say this. And, um, sure. Like he's a great locker room guy. He's a great leader. Like, I'm not going to discredit that, you know, but it's the playoffs, you know, you're supposed to be like the third guy that's supposed to help, you know, propel the, propel the, you know, the team forward to a title run, right? Um, I'm not asking Kemba Walker to score 25, 30 points a game, but it would be nice to see him, you know, sh- score 20. You know, he shot five for 16 yesterday. And then the game before that, he was like two for like 11 or something like that. Like at at some point he was, apparently he was only like four for 17 combined like from games six and seven for like a grand total of five points. Right. And so, I'm just saying, like, as a playoff performer, like, sure, Kemba Walker has his, like, um, moments that, you know, you say, oh, he's cardiac Kemba, he's so clutch. But, like, this whole series, like, Kemba Walker was, like, a non-factor almost. And that's concerning for for when they play the Heat because, again, the Heat can play defense on anybody. And if you don't have another reliable scorer outside of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and this is before, and, you know before Gordon Hayward comes back, like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat go out into an early series lead because Kemba Walker has not performed well at all. And you know, at this point, like, sure, Kemba Walker is a great fit for the Boston Celtics and what they have, but in no way is he better than Kyrie Irving.
1: Well, <laughs> okay, well, that's that's a different, completely a different, different story. He's yeah. not a better individual player, but you know, he fits better. On a team with as many uh, egos as the Celtics, you know, you need somebody that's going to actually, you know, listen to the coach. Yeah. Now, with that being said, about Kemba, first off I want to say that I don't blame him too much for kind of, uh, you know, being a little nervous on this big stage because Mm -hmm. uh, he spent his entire career with, uh, what, the worst franchise in the league maybe, the Hornets. Oh, okay, fair point. You know? And uh, secondly, you said you would like to see Kemba score 20 points. I I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that for the next four to seven games.
0: But I, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, for you, because you know, you, you know, you are a resident (laughs) heat fan, but from, from like, you know, an outside perspective, like, again, like I hate the Celtics, you know, but I still respect the, you know, the hell out of them for what, for, you know, team they are right. But again, like, you know, there were numerous times in game seven where Kemba Walker nearly threw the game away. And why? Because he, you know, he takes a shot, like, albeit they are open, right? And again, he, you know, he did, he does redeem himself every, you know, the possession after by hitting like a good, you know, mid range. But, you know, there have been scenarios in game seven where he nearly throws the game away by either having a turnover or taking like a, you know, missing like three or four consecutive shots in a row right? Killing like different possessions. Like, you know, again, I I don't need Kemba Walker to score 25. I just want him to, you know, maybe he doesn't even need to score 20. Right. But he just needs to, you know, shoot better from the field, like shooting five for 16 should not be his stat line every game. Like ideally it would probably be like what seven for 12, seven for 13, like at least like that 45, 50% range.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: But you know, Again, it, it's still good to see him like finally have a deep playoff run because, you know, with Charlotte he never got to experience any of this.
1: I don't even know if they went no past they, they the lost. second round no, with him. They,
0: they never won the first round. So this is like the farthest he's ever gone. Yeah, the last time I remember
1: the, the only times I remember the Hornets slash Bobcats in the playoffs was uh in two thousand sixteen where uh the purple shirt guy Oh yeah! Signature performance, (laughs) and then (laughs) before that, it was and before that, it was when uh, LeBron got uh, where Josh McRoberts almost killed LeBron.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! I can't believe that was like six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um. But yeah, see, like again, like you know, shout out to Kemba for actually making it this far now. Um. But I think the the train stops there. (laughs) I'm still picking the Heat over the Celtics. Um, I don't know about that, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, on the flip side, though, um, on the Raptors again, all respect to the Raptors. Uh, for for many people, they you know we thought that there was no way they they'd be as successful as they were last season, especially with losing Kawhi. But they proved us wrong. They made it all the way to the second seed um, in the East, and you know made it look like they could make you know probably make a run for the Eastern Conference Finals again. Um. You know, all the grit and all the stuff that they've done and all the team defense and team basketball is, you know, it's amazing to watch how well-coached they are. Um, I do want to say, like, again, with Kyle Lowry, like, you hate him if you're playing against them, but for the Raptors, he is so important for that team. Mainly, yeah. You know, outside of him taking all these charges and, you know, throwing his body around just to win a game, like, he's been such a great leader for that team. Yeah, definitely a lot of i've you know despite the
1: flopping stuff oh yeah same uh, a lot of a lot of respect for for Lowry same
0: yeah. like you know like and and he he provided like all he could when it counted most like again uh uh game 6 i believe um when that was the overtime game right um he yeah. uh, he he will you know the raptors to victory and he played 53 minutes you know like um he, I, you know, if, if this is it for, you know, Kyle Larry on the Raptors, cause he, I mean, he does have that w- one more year next season, but if, you know, if, if this was it, like, you know, again, like, I think Larry might, you know, you know, should have his own statue outside of um, um, outside of Toronto. Yeah. He's, you know? I, don't, I think there's no question. He's the best, the or at least the
1: most impactful player in their franchise history.
0: You know, I, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even, you know, you know make it a, I don't even think it's a stretch to say that he is the best player in franchise history. Like sure you can say you can argue Bosch or Vince Carter but you know Larry is the guy who you know s- stayed you know when it, yeah. when it was all bad especially when you know they get they would get embarrassed by LeBron and <laughs> he he was you know he was the one guy that was there to to see them finally win a ring. And so all respect to to Karl Larry. Um however um, you know, not all things were good, you know, for Toronto. And, you know, there are a big, re- it's a big reason why they lost. And, you know, a big person to blame is Pascal Siakam. And this whole bubble, and especially this series, he, he just proved that he's not a number one option at all. He's not the guy that is like, oh yeah, give me the ball. I'm going to, you know, will this team a victory because I'm that good. Like no one can guard me. Like, no, like, you know, T- Jason Tatum was that guy. Siakam wasn't. You know, his whole series, he's shooting like thirty, like thirty, forty percent, and he couldn't even hit a three if his life depended on it. Like, um, the I think I forgot which account it was on Twitter that that posts all these stats. Um, but someone noted that he only shot twelve percent from three, and that is like the lowest percentage ever in the playoffs. You know, and again, I feel bad for him. Yeah. Especially after like his breakout finals performance last season that led him to getting paid like four years, one forty, one sixty million. But for for Siakam, that like this whole series just unacceptable as a guy that the Raptors are looking for as a number one option.
1: To be fair, uh, this didn't come out of nowhere, and I'm gonna give Siakam a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. He was he was doing he was playing really good before the bubble, mm-hmm. and you know. Everybody responds differently to uh, different circumstances. Now, he's never going to be a superstar. He could, in theory, be like a kind of pseudo-first option on a team like, uh, Mm -hmm. on a team like, let's say, the Spurs were in 2014, where, you know, you're sharing the ball and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Raptors, I think, ultimately, they've, they've probably peaked,
0: right? Yeah, I think so, too. I agree with this.
1: It. At least this group, this group has definitely peaked, in my opinion.
0: I agree. Like I think with with Siakam, like I, you know, sure, like you can give him the benefit of the doubt, but this, I, I just think it doesn't like it. I don't think he he's like number one option. You know, capable. I'm sure, like we, you know, before the before the um, shutdown, he he played solid basketball. He was an all star, right? But at the same time, again, like, you know, when the bubble started and, you know, it's already a playoff atmosphere when everyone's trying to compete for the playoffs. Right. So everyone's keying in, you know, and, and locking you up, but you know, even in the playoffs, like it, he struggled, you know, to, to even score and he only has one move and it's the spin move. And if it doesn't work, you know, like what, he doesn't know what to do. He's like, someone's, someone called him skinny Julius Randle. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's you, know, you know, I I hope that he you know figures it out the off, in this off season and and you know you know proves this all wrong. But if I'm Toronto looking forward, um, I I think the Ra- the Raptors need to either if they if they have a draft pick, um, or if they they can somehow lure Giannis out of Milwaukee. Like you you got to figure out who can be a number one option for the Raptors. Because I agree with your point. Siakam gonna be like a pseudo number one option when you have someone who can, you know, is reliable as is a reliable number one. But looking forward, um, the raptors have that question. And they also have a lot of free agency, you know, things to address because Fred Van Viet yeah. is a free agent, Sergio Baca is a free agent, and Marcus is a free agent. So like the Raptors have to think like, who are you gonna keep moving forward?
1: Yeah, um, well, you know, Fred Van Vliet's obviously going to get that max offer from the Knicks. We already know that.
0: Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that's disgusting. If that
1: really happens, that's disgusting. But, uh, yeah, no. The Raptors, you know, seem to watch for the summer. Personally, though, I think uh, they, you know, like, I I feel like I'm sounding dismissive. I'm not. If a few calls go the Raptors' way, you know, they're probably in the Eastern Conference Finals again.
0: Oh, yeah, I think so.
1: But, um. Ultimately, I think that yeah, you know, Kyle Lowry's not getting any younger. Ziakam's mm-hmm. already twenty-six. Maybe he gets better. It depends on it depends mm-hmm. wholly on him.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see. I I think though the Raptors, I think their their priority should also be keeping Fred Van Vliet, especially with Kyle Lowry being you know old. Yeah. Um I think also as well, you keep Serge Ibaka. But I, you know, it's going to be hard, especially when you know he's at the age where he wants to get like that last paycheck before he becomes like a bench, like a permanent bench guy. Yeah, um, his
1: last big contract. Yeah.
0: yeah, like I, I, you know, with Marcus All, like I love him and all, but I, if there's one thing I think the series proved, I, I think he might be washed.
1: Um, yeah, he's he's if he's coming back, it's going to be on a vet's minimum.
0: It has to nothing more. Like it, he he looked really slow and he's like a, it's time for him to just finally accept coming off the bench instead of you know starting um, and hopefully if if he's willing to you know take that vet minimum you know he's if he if he takes that vet minimum i wouldn't be surprised if they you know were able to pay bach and keep Gasol at the vet minimum if not well you know he's he'll have a market um in the uh, in free agency Namely, probably like the Golden State Warriors who need a center. Um, Brooklyn probably could get them. I don't know, but I think I don't think the Raptors should blow it up though. I think that they they have a good um, they have a good young core in Siakam, OG Ananobi, Norman Powell. Like they have a good young core to build around. I don't think this is over. It's just they just have to retool and move forward.
1: Yeah. 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 No, they could they could they could again, you know, prove me wrong. You know, everybody counted him out this year. So we'll have to see. You know, Nick Nurse is one of the best minds in the game.
0: I agree. Like I feel like he can win with anybody. It's just I think the Raptors, like moving forward, maybe it, like again that that Fred Van V possession like was you know, was disgusting <laughs> to end the game. Like I don't know why Nick Nurse did not call a timeout. But yeah, know, the, the end see-
1: game clock management was not a good look for like for
0: maybe we see things differently than he did you know maybe he trusts like you know Van V a a lot but I think I think without uh, uh,
1: Larry out there they were kind of
0: lost yeah yeah I agree with you but I think you know moving forward you know let's say you know Larry you know you know eventually you know he's gonna he's gonna be gone whether it's retirement or you know on a different team um I think looking forward to like Van Vliet, if you you know, they do make him the top priority this summer, you and they keep him Fred Van Vliet and Siakam would be I I think a good duo to have moving forward until you find like a like a player that's gonna, you know, change your franchise. Yeah. Um with the with the last series that you know that happened this past week, um the Clippers and the Nuggets. Um again like I don't want to slant like I'm not trying to slander this series, but my thing is is like again, like there's nothing much to talk about. <laughs> I, I know like the, the, the Nuggets are the kings of three one and they it looks like they have a shot again at coming back from three one because they won game five. But let's be real here. You know, like this is the Clippers series They're winning this probably tomorrow. Okay. Like I won't talk I won't entertain this thought of like the Nuggets possibly winning in seven because the Clippers were well on their way to winning this, and they just have a penchant for blowing leads. Like this is the second time they blew a sixteen-point lead. Okay, like if I, you know, the Clippers need to like, no, they need to like learn how to keep their foot on the pedal.
1: Like yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, this time around, I can't fully blame the Clippers. They were uh, going up against uh, a force greater than any basketball player's individual will they were going up against the Charles Barkley guarantee.
0: Oh, that is also true. <laughs> Charles it's really funny stop doing how that. it's
1: really funny how like at the beginning of the game he says, you know, I guarantee there's no that way they're going to win. And then at halftime he says, "You know what? I'm doubling down. I guarantee you they're going to win by 20." And then when they're up <laughs> by 16, they blow the lead and <laughs> lose.
0: I think it's perfect. No, I think, I think, you know, I think with the Charles Barkley guarantee, I just my gut feeling is that they have this on TV. And, like, whoever sees this just gets some super supernatural powers just to to go off. Like, it's like um, uh, MJ Secret stuff in a space jam. <laughs> like, I again, yeah. like, you know, God, I hope he doesn't say it's a guarantee again because I don't want this series to go to seven. Like, every oh, other series to to seven. really, like, Every other 100%. series, like I wanted, like I was okay with it going seven. Like Bucks Heat, I was cool with that going seven. That'd be fun. Celtics Raptors went to seven. That was great. Lakers Rockets would also be fun. So like, you know going to seven. Clippers Nuggets not so much to me. Like you know, and and why I say that is because look, the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard, who's a freaking robot, and he will you know he'll literally just kill you. He's a Terminator, right? Like with the Nuggets, mm-hmm. like it's. You no, know, it's Yo, Kitchen and Murray, like, they're great and all, but other than that, there's no one, like, I, you know, like, oh, wow, I really want to watch Gary Harris, or oh, wow. I mean, come on, I, Michael Porter Jr., I mean, come on. Okay, we'll get to him in a second, because I have a, so much to say about that man, but I, you know, to me, they, they, out of all the series, all of all the series that, you know, that here are in the semifinals, like, like the Clippers-Nuggets is such a huge mismatch compared to, like, you know celtics raptors heat bucks lakers rockets right like yeah. the clippers throughout their whole roster is just well built and again Kawhi Leonard's is probably going to you know turn into the terminator and just really just score 50 and be like all right goodbye like you know we'll we'll see you later like i that's just my take on it i yeah, see, that's why, uh, that's why I want
1: the Nuggets to push it to seven because then that uh, increases the Lakers' chances of, <laughs> of winning in the conference finals.
0: Oh, my God. Like, I honestly, the Lakers, like, I, look, I, I, I predict the Lakers' Heat finals now, and, you know, re- the obvious prediction is going to be Lakers-Clippers. Like, why are we delaying the inevitable? You know, that, let's just get the Lakers and Clippers, like, you know, happening right now. Let's get the series over with. Um, Adam Silver, if you ever do listen to this, get Scott Foster on on the deal. Oh, <laughs> um God. get Steve get Steve Javi to like, you know uh, Tony to, Brothers. Yeah, yeah, get the whole all-star team on there. Get get a uh, get Scott Foster, get Tony Brothers to ref this. Um <laughs> get a uh, Steve Javi to, to justify the rig. Like let's let's oh, Yeah, dude. Dude, <laughs> oh dude
1: game we didn't talk. I didn't I haven't been on the pod in a while, but like when Steve Javi
0: was justifying the calls in game two of Heatbox. I, was, I, was <laughs> Dude, like... I hate Steve Jabby, man. <laughs> like um, you know, this is a you know, we could have a whole Steve Jabby slander pod one day. Um, <laughs> um just get, you know oh gosh, he's just a pain to listen to and we'll we'll talk about that in another time. Um but back to the Clippers Nuggets, um my one thing and, you know, you mentioned it earlier about Michael Porter Jr. Like, I'm going all in on this Michael Porter Jr. slander, okay? And this is, this is, like, built-up, like, built-up annoyance um, from his COVID conspiracies thing that this is all about population control when literally <laughs> some of his teammates and his little head coach got it, <laughs> um, you know? Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Yikes. Yeah, and he's an anti-vaxxer. Okay. Um, I don't even think this is like like a huge slide on him, but he's like, he's a raw vegan. Like, dude, wash your vegetables, man. That's how you get sick. That's how you get like salmonella and stuff like that, man. <laughs> um, like, and, you know, and the, the cream on the crop was this whole um, after game four where they, uh, they lost. And um, he goes out and says to the public, you know, we need to spread the ball around. You know, like, to beat the Clippers, you know, like, we need to get more people involved. And let's be real here. He's talking about himself because he's not talking about freaking um, Gary Harris or, you know, yeah. he's, he's talking about himself. And, you know, I, to me, like, it, it makes no sense to me to say that when, you know, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are your literal stars of the franchise. And they, they've they literally proved that they have to run the offense to to make sure that, you know, anything can happen for the Nuggets, okay? And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say, like, oh, he was right because he scored seven points in the end of the game to help seal the win, and he got that key block on Ivanka Zubak. Like, I'm not going to use that as and say, like, oh, yeah, like, he was right. No, because the reason why they won was because Paul Millsap in the third quarter, I I forgot how many points he scored. Was it, like, 14 in the third quarter? He
1: he had, like, five threes in a row or something like that. Yeah, like
0: he started the whole comeback in the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, Nikola Jokic started finally hitting his threes. Jamar Jamal Murray finally cooked it. And so by the time they were up by eight, you know, Michael Porter jr. Hasn't even scored yet. He still had zero points. The only reason why he gets this, this everyone's quote unquote, giving him a pass is because um, he hit, you know, the dagger three when they're already up by five. Okay. They're already up by five with like 40 seconds to go. Maybe a minute to go. Yeah. Okay. So, like, d- don't give me that crap. Like, he's oh, he was right. Like, no, you know, Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray, and, and Nikola Jokic, who are you know usually the guys that you know get you know do the most on the Nuggets. Maybe maybe Gary Harris as well. Like, those are the usual guys that you know run the Nuggets. Yeah. You know?
1: So, so aside from uh, Daniel House's conduct this is the second most unprofessional thing <laughs> <laughs> that's happened in the bubble. Facts. Even if, even if you believe that, like, you know, let's say hypothetically, he's not saying it selfishly about himself. Even if you believe that you have to tell mm. the coach and your teammates that in private, Yeah. He can't say it to the media. That's like a rookie mistake. I know. No. Second, um, secondly, uh, I will say that, you know, to give him some credit, he did walk the walk. You know, he, he was, he so did, lucky. Uh, he did uh, you know, regardless he did, uh, he did score when the ball was given to him at the end, you know, he could have break mm-hmm.
0: those and the Clippers could have, uh, I don't know. You they know probably come back and won.
1: Yeah. Pandemic P might've hit a three <laughs> or
0: two. Yeah. I mean, he was cooking. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, quick side note. Um, it's kind of funny how he started performing way better after he turned off his Instagram comments.
0: Did he really? Yeah. Or, or are we talking about Paul George? Yeah. Paul George. Paul George. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Shout out um, to him. Mental health is, is super important for, for the players and yeah, it's definitely. good to see him good.
1: <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. But, but, uh, but
0: back to Michael Porter jr. Um, so again, the, his quote was to spread the ball around. Right. And you know, hey,
1: technically they did that with Paul. <laughs> scoring a lot.
0: Okay. I, you, technically. Right. <laughs> technically. Right. But no, no, I, I no, I agree with you. On I, that so. I, I saw this stat. Right. And, um, it's hard to say, right? When, if you, if you do the math on like, on, if you look at the box scores and look at the math, right? It's hard to say, you know, spread the ball around when you, this whole entire series up until this point have shot 47 times, right? Guess how many assists he's had? Three, just three. Don't like, don't tell me you're like, oh, we need to spread the ball around, but you're not, you're not gonna even like, you just chuck the ball. You're not, you're not passing it to anybody. You're just chucking it yourself.
1: Yeah, the nugget should and bring this guy back.
0: Shoot, <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, you know, trade him like to trade him to Charlotte. Trade him to a bad team. That's what he deserves to be on if he wants to act like this. Like, yeah, you know,
1: trade, if him, trade him to Atlanta where you can watch Trey Young. I
0: shoot know, like 50 times. It's so stupid. Like at this point, like, look, if you want to be the guy like who shoots all the freaking shots, go to Chicago or something. Like go to a team that needs like an actual like um there's a joke going around like saying like the over-under for how many teams he plays on is like five and a half Um (laughs) and like look, he is a locker room cancer. Oh no. I that I'm gonna throw that out there. He's a locker room cancer. Like again, I'm gonna bring it up. He 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 said COVID was like a is a conspiracy. And literally when you know his teammates got yeah, you know, and you know, again, um anti-vax, again, his teammates literally got sick. Okay, and his coach got sick. there's 190 people, 190,000 yeah. people in America have died because of this pandemic. Like to say that stuff, in, you know, publicly is you know disgusting. Um, and you know, on top of this, like, you know, outside of this selfish look, um, I remember John Hollinger. Uh, he tweeted out, like, you know, beyond his medical concerns, you know, pre-draft, you know, because he he did deal with that broken back. Um, he he insinuated that. You know, there because you know these comments that, like, this Mike, you know, his whole egotistic selfishness, was a you know big reason why that some teams like put him lower than he you know got drafted at, and it makes sense. Like we're seeing it unfold. Like he's had great performances in the bubble. Like I'm, you know, I'll acknowledge that, but the locker room cancer is, you know, for a team that's trying to compete for a title is bar none i think the worst i've ever seen you know especially for a guy who's a rookie and you know you can't go if you're a rookie you can't go in saying like oh yeah i'm better than the star players that we already have now you know yeah and it's an even it's an even a i think it's like an even worse look when you know a good amount of the league stars like slander you Damien lillard Dame, Dame lillard roasted this man
1: yeah no you, again If you want to say that stuff privately, you know, there's there's ways to go about it. Now, maybe yeah, I agree. Maybe the Nuggets don't. uh Maybe you know, maybe they don't like their their coach Mike Malone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe he doesn't like that, and maybe that's why. But you still can't go to the media about it. One hundred percent. That's just that's just showing that you're entitled.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, and you know it's bad when um when uh, Nikola Vucevic, who says absolutely nothing, <laughs> says something bad about you. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, no question. Like, again, it's a bad look all around when when all of these stars, like, say, like, you know, you're hella out of pocket and everything. And he tried to, like, back it up, like... Or he tried to, like, kind of recover from it after, like, they won game five saying, like, oh, it's good to, you know... It's good to listen to uh, all these stars, like kind of speak to you and like you take it you know as advice yeah and i'm like no dude they were slandering you because you're a freaking idiot like they're not (laughs) like i i don't know i i I hate michael porter jr at this point like he's now become he's he's supplanted james harden as my most hated player in the league um and it's not even close anymore um yeah i'm on the whole screw mpj um i hope nothing ever (laughs) i hope he never wins a ring (laughs) like i don't i just i I just can't tolerate like players who you know who do that i don't i just can't you know it's whatever yeah (laughs) it's a rough look definitely i mean i I don't know i think again i i would not be surprised if next game he he puts up zero points okay cool um yeah yeah, definitely definitely but uh yeah i you know the Lakers game is about to, to start in about an hour and we kind of want to catch that. So um, we're, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Usman, thank you for, uh, for joining me today on, on the latest episode. Um, thank you for having me. Of course, man. I love, I love talking about hoops uh, with you um, for, for all the listeners, you know, thanks again for supporting us um, continue to, you know, promote amongst your friends, you know, continue to help us build the brand, um, you know, follow us on Instagram at nephew hours and, no, we'll catch you again, you know, soon. With that, you know, we're signing off. Enjoy, you know, the rest of the weekend watching basketball.